I think you can just hear the bees, and the, the wasps and the, the bumblebees buzzing about in the, the Katuni Aster Hedge. It's just alive and buzzing. Not to be confused with the sound of the moor farmer cutting his, his field with the topper in the background. But I wish you could see the amount of bees and, as I said, bumblebees, wasps, everything on this hedge. It's lovely. Well, hello, I'm Frida Morrison. Welcome to our Grow Garden again. We've had a heat wave. We've had temperatures up in the mid-twenties. Then a plunge of temperatures and heavy rain and floods in various parts of the country. So what can you expect for the pier plants? They didn't again if it's summer or winter or times new. And that hasn't helped the battle of the bugs. And the human conditions in the greenhouse are just ideal for green fly and white fly. I need to ask Gourheed Gardner about that. But before we get into the greenhouse, I thought that you'd ruin some of the, the outside garden. It's looking bonny with ah, the colours of the shrubs and roses. And my tree rose, especially this year, is magical with its special cerise pinky colour. It's Rosa Moisei geranium. And the Cotoniaster Simon's Eye Hedge, as I said, with the golden privet growing through it, is looking stunning again. Covered with bees and wasps, drinking the nectar for the tiny wee Cotoniaster flowers. Must mind to tell you about the story I heard about the privet. Keep that for did you can moments later on. And my bonny thistle border. Come doing this way. Look at this bonny thistle border. It goes right round the corner of the trees. And that's one of my favourite parts of the, the garden. And it's called Circium rivulari. It's looking so bonny. Fit a show there. And the florets on the Physocarpus Diablo are magical. No, then I a while thinking I can my floor names. It's been a while. I can bets and I get the names for Ur Dave, the heat gardener. I must ask Dave about the, the entire name of that bush. Try and mind myself. Inside the greenhouse again. And the atmosphere in here is so special. Tomatoes, well, they're, they've now got five or six trusses on them. And the new tatties and the salads are all looking good. And the sprout plants are very healthy. Come do this, why, buddy? Yeah. Trip to or something. <laughs> and my sprout plants are very healthy. I'll say that again. Very healthy Brussels sprouts. And the wildflower experiment is working well, but I must ask Dave about that as well. Do wildflower seeds like pure soil or good soil? Or does it matter? Come on, do this, why? I was tripping with one thing this time. Cheapers and the cucumbers have been a spurt on since yesterday. They're huge. Can't mind the variety, but I've got two varieties in here. And they're really doing well this, this year. Fit Matters New is us joining the garden gang for another session in the Grau Garden Virtual Sheds. So, let's go out to the greenhouse, doing the garden path, and welcome to Grau Radio. Without further ado, let me introduce you to the team, ready, willing and able to sort out your gardens, whether big or small, pots, windy boxes or nothing. Just enjoy the banter and the fresh air. So the team, the heat gardener himself, a past curator at the Botanic Gardens in Embra and chair of the Open Garden Scheme, welcome Dave Mitchell. 
Ah, oh, hi, Frida. I'm glad to Ken you're no washed away like it was here in Edinburgh last week. Oh, man, what a business that was. Nobody didn't seem to get the, the, the water that you did. Oh, it was gushing down the street like a river. Oh, she has. It's just different. Other countries, it's difficult to, to kind of try and put it. You're going through that, we're going through this. It's all different. But we'll catch up on that in a wee minute. And in Edinburgh, we're soon shorter. And off a keen girder, Richie Werner. <laughs> Richie, ah, come in. How you doing? You all right, folks? Aye. Uh, I'll be fine with you. Aye, we're grand. We're grand. Just, uh, we got a sipe in wheat as well, eh? Flipping heck. It was all coming in through the roof and all sorts, so... Uh, no. That was some water, that. Oh, man, that was near real, Richie. <laughs> Richie, you've been on all your holidays with the family yet? Well, actually, aye, that's right. We were away during the borders, uh, just at the time of all that rain, but it was fantastic doing there. I suppose one of the best things we did, we made it to the, the garden at Fleur's Castle. Very famous Ooh. garden. Beautiful, it beautiful is, garden. Rosa delphiniums and all sorts and incredible, amazing apple trees. But they had something absolutely brilliant on. They've got an event, which is a Peter Rabbit trail uh, in their bit in the new. And you can get in, pay your grounds access. The kids go free and then there's this amazing trail. And right at the end of it, they've got a wee planting section where you can <laughs> plant your radishes. <laughs> so the kids Aww. loved it. It was absolutely brilliant. That sounds fantastic. Uh, 31st of August, I think it runs to. So if you're at a loose end for something today, get yourself into Fleurs. It's fantastic. It's an awful bonny garden. I love that wall garden. Oh, it's it, beautiful. It, it just, beautiful. It's just, it's got an awful nice, what I would call, sense of place as well oh, as being nice to look at. No half. Richie, did you say 31st of August? It's it runs still to the 31st, up. aye. And you can get more info at uh, fleurscastle.com. So oh. uh, that's where we got all our bits and pieces. Lovely. Right, and then Loch Harbour, who star cook. Eventually, I'll explain that later. <laughs> Eventually. We've been waiting on the ferry. <laughs> we've been, I kid you now, we've been waiting on the ferry for Claire to arrive. Uh, come in, Claire Patterson. Hiya, Frida. Hi, I know, rural life, eh? <laughs> Everyone, everyone's dependent on the ferry. <laughs> everyone's dependent on but we're glad you've got there in the end. It doesn't matter. But we're glad we got there. You got there safely. Now, feature a short rundown of your, your four dishes for us, Claire. Aye, so the the polytunnel sort of heaving with veg at the moment. It's lovely when it's all coming in. So we've got a nice salad, sort of antipasti with um, grilled courgettes, broad beans, lemon and mint. Um, another way to use up whatever green veg you've got in hand um, with a really nice sesame dressing. And then a couple of puddings to use up all these berries. So we've got the strawberry and elderflower jelly. And then the black currants have arrived. So we've got black currant and white chocolate cheesecake pots. Oh, that sounds so lovely. So lovely. And in Bremer, our apprentice reporter for Robert Gordon University and new apprentice Gardner, welcome Finn Nixon. Hi, Frida. How are you doing? We're doing fine. Now, I'll say again, without any pressure, say us, Finn has decided to learn more about gardens and gardening. Nope, we did not put pressure on you, Finn, did we? That's right, no, it was uh, my choice. <laughs> uh, we didn't say, get out there and let the put garden. Go and do your mum's garden. So he has seen over his mother's garden up in Braemar. Is that thing going well, Finn? It is. Uh, I think the recent rainfall has really helped the, the flowers and the plants really flourish. But something I hay noticed is that there's some holes in some of their leafy plants, um, but there's no slugs to be seen. So I'm half confused about that, but we'll probably get on to that a wee bit later. Dinner, you be confused. Oh. We will help you. We will help you. Uh, well, 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 Centelli, fuck, could be responsible for that. Aye. There's a wee of creators that could be. Aye. 
Ist nie meine Gönner, aber wir haben Stick. No, no, no. Mein Gott, was? Das ist Kann ich just mention that we got a lovely email from the United States of America from a, a listener over there that says that the, he enjoys the program and he loves Richie's laugh. <laughs> oh, bless. Isn't that so Wasn't lovely? Wasn't that a lovely email <laughs> to get? absolutely beautiful. Uh, he, he didn't mention any of the rest of you. <laughs> I just oh. mean, Richie. <laughs> He's fair getting through them. He's loving the shows. Right. Oh, I was just going to say he didn't mention the rest of us yet. He, he might come back. It. He never can. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. No, I need to explain the format a wee bit. We have getting questions on email and a new record button that you can find on our Grow Radio webpage that lets you record your question and send it to us here. It's magic. www.growradio.com So... Once you get the gist of this new format, we encourage you to record your questions and send them into us here. Just get into the Ground Radio webpage and see the button, record your question, press send, and it arrives here in our Grow Garden Shed. Just magic. Magic. Now, we start with an email question for Judy Beasley about peony roses. She sent in a photo of the buds, well, I've got the photo, with what looks like great big blue bottles on them. She asks, do they do any harm? Dave? Well, no, they didn't, Frida. You know, there's a bit of a myth about this. You often see these big peony buds starting to open and you see flies on them. You often see ants on them. They didn't do any harm to the plant. They're attracted by a kind of limited supply of a waxy, sugary sap that's on the bud and they eat that. And the plant exudes that sap to help the flower bud open. And you shouldn't be applying insecticides or organic sprays. And, you know, some folk will even tell you that the ants and the flies are necessary to make the buds open. But that's all a myth. The, the, the buds open on their own. Okay. It's not a problem. It was a good photograph that Judy sent, though. It was Wasn't nice. And, it was lovely? nice. It was a lovely photograph. It was nice and clear. Right. Um, so I want out and look at your peonies and see who he's visiting and nicking the sugar. Yeah. Well, funny you should say that because Judy sent in a photograph. I think they sent it up to Finn as well to let him see what what is in front of them. The peonies have opened, of course, and they've now got a wicker a wicker collar around them. Um, her husband George has made a wicker collar to hold up the peonies, and it looks absolutely gorgeous. That sounds like a grand idea because, especially with this wet weather, Aye. they really big peony heads. You know, they can if they get filled with water, they drop over, they can break the stem. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like an artwork and process. Fine, have you still got that photo? You can you can put it up on the webpage for us, can you? So that folks can see if it they've done with the, the, the penis. It's a super idea and it looks beautiful. I did receive that. I'll I'll put it up on the website so everybody can see it. Alright. Right. One recorded question coming up. Mary Hershaw from Loch Gelly again. Hello, it's Mary from Loch Gelly here. Uh, I have a question about fruit trees. I've noticed that all the fruit trees round about my plot have absolutely no fruit in them this year. Maybe an odd apple or an odd plum, but not the usual crop. And I was just wondering if this was just purely weather-related. And a related question, uh, when I took on my new plot at the beginning of the year, it was a bit late to get organised to plant any fruit trees. And so I'll do that this autumn. And I'd like some suggestions of what would be good varieties to plant. I don't want um, big fruit trees that will dominate the plot too much. So any help would be much appreciated. Thank you. Uh, Dave, the first the first part of that was why why no fruit this year? 
Well, I think, to be honest, Frida, that might be connected with the weather. It has been very, very strange. It could also be partially due, possibly, to the lack of a suitable pollinator tree. But because the plot's new and you don't really know what varieties are actually there, it's difficult to be certain about that. But I, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I think, you know, it, it's most likely the weather that's been behind it. Mm -hmm. There is another thing called biennial bairn, but I suspect it isn't that. Now, talking about new trees, that's really the nub of this. She needs to make certain that they're on what we call MM26. That's a dwarf rooting stock for fans and espaliers, especially if you want compact trees. Mm -hmm. If you want cordons or stepover trees, then they really need to be on what we call the rootstock MM27. And if you want bigger freestanding trees, you know, really big trees, then they want to be on MM106. So that's MM26, semi-dwarfing for fans and espaliers, MM27 for cordons and stepovers, and for bigger trees, MM106. How big would they go? Well, you know, corn, the, the corns might only be three feet high. The stepovers might only be 18 inches. The semi-dwarfs might be 8 to 10 to 12 feet. And then anything bigger than that's going to be, you know, full tree size. As regards varieties, oh man, that, that's a personal choice. And it's a complex matter. You know, but if it was me, I like the cooking apple Galloway Pippin. It has a lovely sharp taste. Or the Scotch Dumpling makes a lovely puree, Scotch Dumpling. And you shouldn't forget about Howgate Wonder. It's a great all-rounder. It's a good pollinator. It bakes well. It eats well. And if you want eaters and doers, trees that do both jobs, Charles Ross and Scotch Bridget are dependable choices. And, of course, there's James Grieve. I think James Greaves should be in every garden, simply okay. because you can eat the red-green fruits off the tree. It makes a nice puree. It's a wee bit sweet, but it's acid as well. And it's a brilliant, it's probably the best of all of them for pollination. So lots to think about, lots to do. You and I both know and uh, admire Willie Duncan, our, our all-time advisor for apples, and he advised me quite a while ago, James Greaves for my garden. He said, you've got that climate that that needs something special. So James Grieve James for the Grieve. East Coast at low altitude or, or higher up where you are, north and south. You know what? It's just totally dependable. Um, it's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant cultivar. Yeah. Thank you, Dave, and thank you, Mary, for that. Now, as I said in the last episode, we are in the midst of our salad days about to enter another season, but I'm about to plant out mere lettuce plants. The new titles will mark why for mere plants. Some fruits are in full supply, so a good time to welcome our programme. Cook, Thelochaber, at last, I'll go again. You wouldn't be, wouldn't be like, forget this queer person. She almost missed the ferry. Almost missed the ferry. Far was she coming, Faye? Oh, just from Toon, just from Toon. You get the ferry every day. It's just a three-minute ferry, but if you miss it, honestly, it um, sets you back. <laughs> <laughs> Phone down, he said, I'm, on, I'm just about to catch... What do you mean you're about to catch a ferry? I'm just about to catch a ferry. Right, you're there. Claire, give your first two I recipes. I am here. Um, so today I'm starting with my grilled courgettes, broad beans, lemon and mint. And these are great. You want quite smallish courgettes because you can kind of need to keep on top of them, don't you? Because mm -hmm. they just, they go big, so you need to get out there um, and need to get them when they're about six inches or even a wee bit smaller. So I'd use maybe seven or eight for this. They lose a lot of their volume when they cook. So you can, you know, and I 
quite often serve this as a kind of antipasti with other sort of salady bits or sort of cold meats or charcuterie, what have you. So you get your courgettes, you cut them into thinnish strips and you toss them with a wee bit of olive oil and salt. You cook them in, you can cook them in a griddle if you've got a griddle or in a barbecue or just in a hot oven till they're tender and just a wee bit charred around the edges. Meanwhile, get your broad beans, quickly blanch them in hot water into colds and then remove that silver skin if they're of a size. If they're really teeny, then you can maybe get away with it. And then to dress them, you get the veggies, add the zest and juice of half a lemon, a sort of scant handful of small mint leaves, a handful of wee basil leaves, and you just sort of spread that out on a platter and you can finish it, if you like, with a few wee shavings of pecorino, which is like a hard goat's cheese, or a wee bit of parmesan. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, you could throw some new tatties in there as well. That would be lovely, wouldn't it, if you wanted something a wee bit more substantial? Well, you see... I've asked you specifically to maybe mention courgettes because I always hear a bumper crop, right. uh, crop of uh, courgettes. And to be honest, I'll let them grow more big and then we have to mark them into shoes mm. and then mark them into boats. Yeah, no, 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 no. To invent them. Keep, keep getting them. Keep, you need to keep on top, don't you? You just have to yep. have courgettes every day. Okay, just all sprout, sprout. <laughs> so the easiest way is, I, I like yours. I've got all the ingredients already. I am going to try, try it. I am going try to try it. it. Yes, try it. The next day, I mean, again, you've got courgettes in here as well. So this is just green veg. So whatever you've got in your polytunnel. So at the minute we've got mange too. We've got some pak choy, courgettes, spinach, salad leaves. Um, you could use your broad beans. You could use green beans. Just whatever's there and whatever's ready. A wee bit of broccoli even. And so the things like the broccoli, the green beans, you would maybe steam those lightly just till they're still a wee bit crispy, but just not completely raw. The courgette, I really like just raw, just peel it with a potato peeler into thin strips and that is absolutely lovely with the wee with the wee ones and then your spinach and your salad leaves as well and for that I use a dressing which is three parts soy sauce two parts sesame oil and two parts rice vinegar although if you've got a nice raspberry vinegar that works even better really really good and you just toss those vegetables into a sort of small amount of that dressing because it's quite strong and you don't want it to overwhelm them and you can finish it with a sprinkling of um, toasted sesame seeds and that's really nice kind of really light really summery Mm -hmm. um, and really flexible for just whatever you've got ready um, at the time. Now this becomes a huge surprise Claire but I have got my own raspberry vinegar. I made my own raspberry vinegar. See your influence is beginning to show and I actually collected I had a bumper crop of wild raspberries last year and I made it in some of them into the raspberry vinegar for this very moment maybe waiting for, this for a very recipe moment. like this I've got it I've got it this very moment very moment thank you Claire really appreciate it right Dave I turn to you now for your wisdom and solace and your in-depth knowledge of not only the garden but of life itself but we will concentrate on the garden anew leave life till later your theme this session is container planting. Dave, over to you. Well, I, I think we talk about all sorts of things on this programme and we forget that some folk don't have big gardens, you know, mm-hmm. and you can have a huge amount of fun with containers. And I actually use containers a lot in my city garden. And, you know, one of the challenges that people often think is what sort of container should I buy? You know, should I buy a container that's made out of clay? Well, you know, clay pots or terracotta pots, they dry out a wee bit quicker 
and they can crack in the frost yep. if you don't buy frost protected ones. But they look great. They have a, they can maybe be a wee bit expensive, but I have a, I personally use a lot of terracotta ones because I like the look. Metal containers, they have a really modern look. They're frost proof. But on the downside, they heat up and they dry out quicker in the hot weather. And in the winter, they don't provide as much insulation for the roots when it's really cold. And in time, they're prone to rust and corrosion. Plastic, well, that's lighter and it doesn't dry out as quick. And it's cheaper, but it's maybe not as authentic looking. And my main concern is that you should always use plastics products that are recycled. If I look for a plastic product, I try to get, I always try to buy recycled ones. Wooden containers are great, but they don't have the same lifespan as some other things if they're not properly treated. But if they are properly treated with, you know, a good wood preservative, you'll maybe get five to 10 years out of them if you look after them properly. Composts, well, I tend to use for short-term things like hanging baskets and pots of annuals and stuff like that, I'll use a multi-purpose peat-free compost. If I'm putting trees and shrubs and stuff like that in a container, then I, I tend to use John Innes number three or a homemade compost with, you know, sterilized loam and added leaf mold and composted bark, you know, just to a little bit of extra sand, always keeping an eye on the drainage. Feeding, I liquid feed every week from basically the end of April right through till about the end of June, the beginning of July. And then I begin to do it once a fortnight and slow it off as the season goes on. You can use a slow release fertilizer like Vitax Q4. The biggest issue with containers is watering. And the best advice I can give you is to do it first thing in the morning, especially when it's warm. And believe it or not, I do it between 7 o'clock and 9 o'clock in the morning. Now, that's okay if you're retired like me. If you're working, you can do it in the evening, but just watch that you don't chuck too much water about because it sits on the leaves overnight in pots and hanging baskets and you can actually get a build-up of mildew and botrytis as a result. Thanks, Dave. I'm just thinking I have a, a, a pal that uh, has just started gardening and they've got a long planter outside. And I give them some seed. I give them lettuce seed, and they're delighted because they've got lettuce at last. And they're using the lettuce for their meals just about every other day. And what a joy it was to see see her face, Helene's face, and we've got lettuces for the first time in our life. She can actually grow her own salads. And it's, it's just that enjoyment people get out of doing that. Right, I'm going to ask Abdi, we ruined the team. Finn, what are you putting in your, in your containers? Well, um, mostly I've got wildflowers in my containers, actually, and um, my um, mum's my garden isn't that small, but it's mostly paved. Mm-hmm. So using containers is really useful, and I'm trying to teach myself to kind of put things closer together, because I think at the minute it's quite spaced out, and it would look maybe a wee bit better if we had a lot of plants and containers and closer together. Mm-hmm. I, I think that can be quite nice because you can create the effect of a border with sort of three to five containers together, taller plants at the back, smaller plants at the front, a combination of maybe a dwarf pine, something like a dwarf acer um, can be mixed with, you know, 
any there's a whole range of annuals that you can use everything from marigolds fuchsias lobelia allison you know the choice is yours these new impatients are brilliant but you can create a border effect by grouping your containers together and getting mm -hmm. that different combination of foliage and shape and color and form you know and Fida was talking about vegetables herbs do well salad crops especially things that you can pick and use again um you know beetroot carrots tomatoes potatoes chard all the things that claire was listing they'll all do in containers if you go about looking after them properly but the joy the best one of the best things is these lettuce that you sow and then you keep picking it again that's the ones that's and, the you ones. Know, it's just great anyway i do that all the time here and then you get your wee micro salad crops as it's, well it's, you it's know lovely. they're it's great to do. right richie Talked about fit to put in containers for your bairns. Well, yeah, I like things with bonnie fleurs, but also interesting seeds. So the one that comes to my mind, and that's nice and bonny in the barrel, the new is calendula. Can the bonnie wee marigold? Hi, yeah, they do well. Lovely to, to grow, and they've got a lovely splatter colour. Absolutely, and the the seeds are amazing. So the kid, it's just about just about ready here for them to start. The wee ones to start picking the seeds out and have a look. You know, well, that wee half moon seed. You know, beautiful thing. Aye. And of course, there's all the things that you can eat. Yeah, and, well, to make it tactile, kids, kids I've got, love that. got herbs in there as well. There's, I mean, I've got lavender and rosemary, bit of lemon balm, a bit of mint, sort of kicking mm -hmm. about in the the front basement barrels, you know. And they mm -hmm. just go and have a wee, a wee sort of have a wee about that. And have you ever, lettuce, you know, have you ever oh. grown pumpkins with the kids? I, I've never tried pumpkins. You know, Whoa. yeah, if you've got access to a lot of good compost, growing pumpkins either on a compost heap or in a bit in a really big container because they've got they've got to water it every night they've got to feed it ah, you can teach them about pollination they grow like bellio you get the fruits and you know then you get the fun of making a lantern out of them later oh, in the year. it's a no it's a no-brainer oh that's, that's a great idea i'll give that a good and I've, I've used a lot of i mean i had a, an overabundance of, of nasturtium seeds or tan humes as we call them in scots and uh, of course, I put them into my hanging baskets, and they look glorious. Oh, fabby. Absolutely fabulous. And in the, in the greenhouse, of course, you can eat nasturtiums, tamthums, the leaves, and, and the, the flowers. And they Bonny look flowers. beautiful. The flowers look beautiful in, in salads. Absolutely great. Claire, fit have you planted in your containers? It's all about the food, I think. With the kids, we, we've got lots of wee pots of this and that. So the things, the salad leaves, like you're saying, um, we've had pots of strawberries, which have been great. Peas are a big hit. Just having a pot, just stick some peas around the edge of a big pot and up they go. And peas in your doorstep, who doesn't want that? Um, and we've done carrots as well, to be honest. Mm -hmm. We've done in yeah. a deep pot. Um, we've done the radish, get, Well, I mean, my kids, they will not eat the radish. So they, they, we've grown them, we've tried, but they, they're not they're not keen on the radish. But the tan thumbs, we started nasturtiums in our window edge with the kids like far too early just because they were desperate. They got the seeds sent to them and they wanted to plant them. <laughs> we ended up with this like maze of sort of leggy looking kind of pathetic yellow and nasturtium in the window edge thinking these are not going to do anything. So sorted them out one day, put them in the pot at the front and you know what? They're absolutely beautiful. They've, they've yeah. recovered. They've, they've been very sympathetic to us. <laughs> what about some of the really weird things like you know, the wee micro-leaf salads, things like Amarantha Red Army. It's bright Aye. red. It looks like crest, you know. Or, or the, the, mic the micro-leaf Russian kale. You'd love that. And there's another thing that's fairly new this year that I tried. 
It's called Microleaf Spilanthes, and it okay. has wee mouth tingling yellow flowers. Ooh. It's quite wicked. Say that, uh, say that name again, please, Mi Dave. Microleaf Spilanthes. What a great name. So, and of course, coriander. Name. Who doesn't like coriander? You know, I love I've got that. coriander. You could name a band called Spilantes, couldn't you? Well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to the Microleaf Spilantes. I'm going to get some. I'm getting that go. <laughs> the Microleaf Spilantes. It's just a magical sound theatre. Thank you, Abdi. And uh, Dave, later on, you're going to tell us about jobs to do at this time of the year in the garden. I've got a wee list of things to keep oh, folk out of mischief. Boy, <laughs> it's hard work as usual. Again, I say it was a great pleasure that we welcome our Scots Radio team member to your garden throng again as a split new gardener. He's teen over his mother's garden in Bremar for the summer to find out more about gardening. Nay, pressure first, man. Dean less himself. Okay, then. Fed have you planted since we last spoke? Well, um, those wildflowers I mentioned in the containers, they're oh, newly planted and uh, they seem to be doing well. I know you were speaking about things you can put in salads, so I've uh, got some pyrus and coriander in there as well, which is just smelling fantastic, actually. Uh -huh. But uh, my favourites now, uh, forgive me if I pronounce these wrong, but I've got uh, Dahlia, uh, Salvia and Osteospermum. And I think oh, they're neat. just the, the bonniest flowers in the garden that I've got at the minute. Really like looking at them. Mm -hmm. Really bonny flowers. Well done, you. Right, so it's your first question. Well, um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I've noticed many of the mere leafy plants in the garden have holes in them. But when I gone out uh, to the garden after it's been raining, funny you'd expect slugs, I can't see any slugs. So I'm just wondering if it could be causing this issue and if it should I do about it? Good day. Well, it's quite a good and interesting question, this Finn, because there's a lot of things that could be responsible for it. We'll just take a minute to kind of give you a bit of guidance here. Leaf miners are a wee problem. They make big brown blotches or string-like tunnels in the leaf because they tunnel through between the upper and the lower cuticle, and that can eventually rot and leave a hole. Capsid bugs, they eat right through the leaf and they give the foliage a very tattered, even wrinkled appearance. Flea beetles, they mark wee holes like needle pinpricks right through the leaf. And then you get beetles that generally chow the middle and the edges of the leaf, often leaving irregular holes with just the veins visible. Now just to make things more complicated, you get leaf cutting beetles. And some of them are awful delicate. You know, they just eat a wee arc for the edge of the leaf and then they move on to another leaf. And then you get the soft lies. Well, they boys just scoff mm. a lot. They leave nothing but the main ribs. And then you get blister mites and they leave big irregular blotches in the fleshy part of the leaf. And you even get leaf mining moss. Now, all this is off of confusion. There's a whole army of these craters that will eat leaves. But the RHS has a grand section on its website with photographs and descriptions of the whole lot of them. So here, look at that, and then go out in the garden and study the holes in your leaves and see what shape they are and what they look like, and then go back to the website and you'll see all the photographs of them and you should be able to work out what's responsible for chewing your leaves. Finn, thank you for that and thank you for the, the answers, Dave. Didn't I realise how many uh, predators are were out there? 
Okay, sit back, Claire. You're about to tempt us with yet another couple of your recipes for summer delights. But before that, Dave and I were speaking about alternative summer favourites like elderflower cordial. Have you got a recipe for that? I do, I do. We were picking elderflowers last week. We're right, down I'm about in Dumfries and Galloway picking away with the kids. So it's it's one of those recipes that you can, you know, you can tweak it to your own taste with more sugar or different types of citrus and all this kind of thing. And I um, I don't add citric acid. Some people, proper preservers, will add citric acid, which means it has a longer shelf life. Anything I'm not going to use within a week or two, I just freeze, either in ice cube trays and then pop them in a bag or in a these Ziploc plastic bags or a plastic bottle, and then you can just keep it for when you need it. So what I would say for me is for every 25 heads of fluors, so you have to make sure you pick them on a dry day. You didn't pick too many because you want to leave some for the berries later in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you give them a really good rinse. Make sure there's no wee insects in there. Um, you basically pop them in a bowl with a zest of three lemons. You pour over a litre and a half of boiling water and you just leave that. Cover it, leave it as long as you like. So I'll leave it overnight minimum, 24 hours even better. And then after that time, strain it into a pan Add a kilo of sugar and the juice from the lemons that you zested already. And then you just slowly cook that until the sugar's dissolved. Bring it up to a boil, boil it for a couple of minutes, and then you just pop that into your sterilised jars, just like you would for jam, rinsed in hot water, dried out in the oven. And that'll keep just as it is for a week or two. And if you're, like I say, if you're keeping it longer, you can start messing about with citric acid or you can just freeze it like me, the easy way. <laughs> oh, you make it sound so easy. I have never made uh, elderflower cordial, but I'm going to hear go at it this year because I've got fantastic elderflowers on the, on the tree this year as well. Claire, thank you for that. Richie, Hi. Yeah, can I bring you in here? You, you, you like making your jams and jerks. What's your favourite summer dish? My favourite summer dish? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this time of year, you just kind of be a good old garden salad. I think you know. I'm 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 really fond of all things balsamic and Mediterranean at the moment. I think it's the sunshine bringing it to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, little bit of little gem lettuce, bit of chard, bit of watercress, bit of rocket, some diced feta, and maybe some sun dried tomato mm-hmm. and peppers. Oh, lovely, you know. Wonderful, Can't that's great. Right, we're at last enjoying the start of our summer crops. Need just salads, but new tatties, herbs, maybe inatua cucumbers, strawberries, rasps, and our programme cook, Claire Patterson, has been creating her culinary wonders again. Gives your next few summer delights, Claire. Right. Well, once you've made your elderflower cordial, <laughs> here's one to use it up. So strawberry and elderflower jelly. Um, so I usually set these in wee teacups and then if you pop them in hot water and you turn them out, they're really, really beautiful because you kind of see the fruit sort of suspended in the jelly and it's gorgeous. It looks like a beautiful paperweight, if that if you can imagine. Wow. But it's that's but you can put them in a glass, you can put them in whatever you like. And also a good note is that with the gelatin sheets, I will set 350 mils with two and a half leaves because I've tested that. So in terms of how much gelatin to use, it's sometimes a good idea. Check your packet or do a wee test with some plain water just to see the setting point, because you want it, you don't want it too chuck do you but you don't want it falling all over the plate (laughs) um so basically you'd hull and quarter or half your strawberries divide them between your teacups or your serving glasses warm up 50 mils or thereabouts so the elderflower cordial with 100 mils of water until it's simmering and then take it off the heat 
while you're doing that, you're soaking your gelatin leaves. You soak them in cold water and they get just for a couple of minutes and they get really soft and squishy. Mm -hmm. And you sort of squish the water out of them, stick them in the water and um, cordial mix and whisk it until it dissolves. It just takes a second. And then you leave that to cool down a wee bit for maybe for half an hour and then top it up with 200 mils of chilled sparkling water which gives you wee bubbles through it as well, which is really pretty. Mix it in pretty gently because it'll froth up and then pour that over your strawberries and you'll need to chill that for four hours or overnight. And I would also say test it before you add the last bit of sparkling water. Have a wee taste because elderflower cordials can vary in sweetness Mm -hmm. and you might want to tot a wee bit more in before you make it up. Right, you've got black currants on the menu as well. We've got black currants in the menu. We've got lots and lots of black currants. We picked, I think, 40 kilos last year. Oh. <laughs> and I'm about to start this year, so I'm a bit, oh. <laughs> anyway. It's a long job. Um, Did you plant, were, were you very, very fond of black currants, Claire? <laughs> I, well, I do love a black currant. This is, I think this is a lesson in listen to the experts because the gardener came to me and said, we're putting in a fruit cage. What do you want? I said, black currants. They said, well, one or two bushes do. And I said, no, 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 no. I need loads. I need loads. <laughs> get me get me loads of black currants. So we've got nine black currant uh-huh. bushes. <laughs> and they're doing really, really well. So. <laughs> See, victim of your own success. <laughs> no, I, honestly, I should have just listened, honestly. So <laughs> I think every year there's a wee smile when I have to go in and pick them all. <laughs> it's like, you should have listened. Yeah. Anyway, so here's here's my pudding. It's a black currant and white chocolate cheesecake pot. But it's an upside down cheesecake. So the fruit's at the bottom, the biscuit's on the top. So to start, you get 200 grams of washed and stemmed black currants, maybe four or five tablespoons of sugar, a wee splash of apple juice just to stop it sticking. And you cook that gently so your black currants are nice and softened and you just set that aside to cool and then divide it between four glasses or serving dishes or whatever you're serving it in. You keep a wee tablespoon or two back of the black currant because you mix that through in a minute. Then for the filling, you melt 100 grams of white chocolate over hot water, allow it to cool a wee bit. Meanwhile, whisk together 250 grams of cream cheese and 150 mils of double cream till it's smooth and thick. Then you add the chocolate, whisk it again. Fold in that couple of tablespoons of the blackcurrant mixture that you, you put aside just to give it a kind of ripple effect through it. Divide that between your glasses or your serving dishes and you chill that thoroughly, so a good couple of hours until it's set. And then when you're ready to serve, you just crumble some of the amaretti biscuits, the wee almond biscuits you get, like just crumble those on top for a wee bit of crunch. So that's a nice, easy, an easy way. So that's 200 grams. So 200 grams divided by 40 kilos. Wow. <laughs> it's a start. It's a start. It just sounds so easy and so, so scrummy. I love that. Claire, thank you so much. And it's bideways again because we're going to come on to the days that I need your, your input as well and your wisdom. Right. Last episode, we introduced a wee section card, Did You Can? And folk enjoyed that. And just as I pass again, I will say that they actually enjoyed Richie's laughter as well. Some <laughs> folk enjoyed Lifty's laughter. They didn't mention any of the rest of you oh, shame. about Richie's laughter. They work on your laughter, guys. enjoyed that, yeah. <laughs> but I have again invited the gang to come up with their curious bit true stories or facts. Right, Dave, fit you in. Giant worms. Huh? <laughs> on the island of Rum, off the west coast of Scotland, you get some of the largest earthworms anywhere. 
weigh on average 11.6 grams each. They can be up to 30 centimetres in length <laughs> and they're found in the abandoned settlement of Papadil. And they're thought to reach this size because they didn't get disturbed. There's lots of organic matter and there's no predation by moles or badgers, hedgehogs or foxes. Mm. And another just amazing wee fact about earthworms, because you mean earthworms eat decaying matter and they pass it out through their body. And the average production of worm cast per acre is 10 tonnes. Oh. But it can be as ten, much. Ten, it, tons. It, 10 tons. It can be as much as 18 tons. So if you tuck an acre of ground that's got a healthy worm population, 18 tons of organic matter will pass through their body and back out into the soil every year. What? Wow. Goodness that's me. the prize, prize fact. This this episode, I think, I think Dave Mitchell's well ahead of us. Okay. Richie, fix your fact. All right. Well, you can slugs, right? Aye. So we're sort of talking about them earlier, maybe or maybe no, probably no. Uh, Finn's kind of curious problem, but I, I, mm-hmm. I was finding out that slugs are hermaphrodites, so they mm-hmm. can be either male or female given mm-hmm. the situation. Um, and apparently, apart from eating leaves, stems, and roots, this is going back to Dave's one. They might not get on very well on rum, but apparently they're also partial to the occasional earthworm. That wouldn't surprise me. And earthworms are hermaphrodite and all. There's some some interesting things go on in the soil. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's for another another series. The interesting things in the soil. soil, (laughs) (laughs) I suppose it it saves a lot of hassle. That's it. Who are you tonight, darling? And you can hear conversations with yourself like Maddie on your way. Time fits your curious bit true story. Well, this maybe this one's maybe a bit more well Kent, but uh, I was reading that butterflies taste and smell with their feet, and quite often they're actually mere. <laughs> they're mere attracted to weeds quite often because they're not attracted to bright flowers. It's mere the the smell and the mm-hmm. nectar and the you know kind of the fragrance. That's what they're mere interested in. So that was quite interesting. Oh, I don't a, know a, a, lot, a lot of butterflies only lay their eggs on specific plants. Uh-huh. They're host specific. They're like, you know, they, they, they'll only lay their eggs on a particular thing. So their caterpillars are fussy about what they chew. Wow. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for mine yet? Okay. Uh, we're, we're, we're waiting in anticipation. Come on. Okay. Right. You can that Stevie was up. Um, she remember we were speaking about my sheep last episode. Stevie was up taking their jackets off, shearing the sheep. And we got on to plants somehow or other, and Jody was there helping as well. And Stevie said, and I had a naffa job where I lost a few sheep when they broke through uh, into, uh, I think it was near a castle in Aberdeenshire, broke into the garden. And a couple of the sheep died, and about 30 of them were very unwell, and they couldn't understand why this had happened. Eventually, they brought it down, pinpointed the cause. Privet hedge. No. Privet hedge uh, had made the sheep unwell. But how did they cure the poisoning? Now, here's a bit. They gave the sheep red bull and charcoal. Red bull and charcoal was the medicine they gave the sheep what? that survived, and that cured the sheep. 
The charcoal, the charcoal would suck the poison out of their system, and the red right. ghoul would gone through it like a dose of sorts. Absolutely. Aye. Well, aye. And that was what saved aye. the ship. On that note, can I now invite our celebrated Gerda, Mr. Dave Mitchell, Gerda to the stars and other folk, to give us his recommendation for jobs with hefty D in the garden at this time of year. Dave. Well, you were talking to me the other day, Frida, and it just got me thinking, you know, ventilating your greenhouse is so important, especially in humid weather. And with this hot spell coming on, you should be leaving a crack of air open at night. That's about a couple of inches on the top vent. In the morning, you should be opening the side vent and the door. And I'm not talking at 10 o'clock. You need to be getting that done before you have your breakfast so the greenhouse stays cool. Look out for weeds. Get on top of them. You know, if you didn't, they'll get on top of you. Feed your dahlias with a high potash fertilizer. Don't forget to deadhead your roses because that'll keep them flowering. Keep feeding your tomatoes. Leave the rhubarb alone. There's plenty of other things to eat now. It needs time to recover and grow back up. Stop cutting your lawn when it's hot and dry. And if you do have to cut it, lift the height of the cut. And if you've got sweet peas, keep cutting them because the more you cut, the more they flower. Thank you. Very briefly before we go, I asked the question when I was in the greenhouse, wild flowers, Dave, do they prefer good soil or just average soil? Wild flowers always do better in, I find, growing from seed, they always do better in, po in poorer soils. Um, if the soil is too rich, the, the, too nitrogen rich, they put on too much leaf and they don't flower as well. Okay, that's it. And bugs. What happens, somebody asked me just the other day, the, the leaves of the tomatoes are curling up at the edges. Is that a bug? No, it's probably to do with bad watering in the sense that they get too much water at one point and not enough at another. It's also a natural response of the leaf to, you know, to stop it from drying out and conserve moisture. Okay. And that, ladies and gentlemen, brings us to the end of this episode in the Grau Garden. Can I invite you new to get in contact with us either via email or phone with your gardening questions? We would like to hear from you. Name it out if you've just started with our being there. And I hope you've enjoyed or done or doing the garden. Dinner pit off, get in touch. Here's the email address to send your emails and your phone recordings. Email info at growradio.com. Info at growradio.com. And you can find our record button on our webpage, www.growradio.com as well. So, on behalf of the team, Dave Mitchell, Richie Werner, Claire Patterson and Finn Nixon, and myself, Rita Morrison, enjoy your garden! Enjoy your garden!